0: I know that we've been on a series talking about winning the day and all that, and I've been thinking about that a little bit. I'm not necessarily touching on that topic per se, but this definitely complements this uh, series that we've been on. I had the opportunity uh, about a month ago, uh, you might not know this, but Church of the Bridge, you help support pastors in ministry. Did you know that? You actually support, you help support pastors in uh, things that minister to them and make sure that they are well. Um, can you give it up for God using you that way? Come on, we could do better than that. I share that with you because this all began for me a couple of years ago. I started going to South Carolina uh, once a year, and this uh, just recently I went twice um, for something that I got involved in that is specific to pastors and. Ministries, you know, when you minister to pastors, you minister not just to pastors, you minister to their families. You minister to their churches. You minister to communities. Healthy pastors equal healthy congregations, equal healthy communities. And so uh, I was down in South Carolina, and I took my son with me um, to South Carolina uh, for a a couple of days with some friends where, uh, you know, we took some time to just get along with God, to connect with each other to pray and just seek God's face on a couple of different things. And while I was down there on our very first day, we stopped to see South Carolina's biggest oak tree. I'm going to show you a video of that in a second. Um, It is, this tree is massive. Um, It has endured hurricanes. It has endured the changing of times. It has endured the Civil War. And yet it stands. I want you to see this for a moment. Just, just check out this, this, this quick video, real quick. We can we put that up, please? This was when we got there. and I was looking, I was looking at it. Isn't that huge? It's big, it is. You see the marks that right there? Uh Columbus. And uh isn't that some tree? It that tree is estimated to be between four and five hundred years old. It stands 66 and a half feet tall. It measures 28 feet in circumference, um, and it produces shade that covers 17,200 square feet. Its longest branch, the distance of its longest branch is 187 feet long. And I remember as I was looking at this tree and you know just shooting this video, massive, massive tree. I asked the Lord a question. I asked the Lord, "How does a tree this massive grow so big and strong?" And I remember at that moment a portion of Scripture rose up in me, and I had to go back and really meditate on it. And I've been chewing on it since. But I want to share it with you because I believe that tonight uh, the script, this Scripture, will minister to us, and we're going to learn some things about what God is doing in our lives, what He's done, and And how we remain in that. Isaiah 61, starting at verse 1, states that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This might sound familiar to some of you. This is speaking about Jesus. This is a prophecy that was foretold over 800 years ago concerning Jesus. 800 years before his birth concerning Jesus. And this is the very scripture that Jesus quoted when he was in the temple and he introduced himself for who he was. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim, say that with me, what? Good news. Good news. Come on, we could say that. To proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to do what? To bind up the brokenhearted, right? To do what? Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness uh, for the prisoners, To do what? Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them, say this with me, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Right? The oil of, listen, of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of what? Of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I want to talk to you tonight from the heart of God on the topic, stay planted. Stay planted. I want to talk to you on the topic, stay planted. Isaiah 61 is a prophetic chapter depicting the heart of Jesus for all humanity. It also foretold what his ministry was intended for. Now, this isn't just his earthly ministry, friends. This is a proclamation. This is a declaration of what Jesus would do and make available for each and every one of us. Anybody ever felt stuck? Felt kind of... Locked into your circumstances? Jesus says, I came to proclaim freedom to the captives. Anybody ever suffer loss, find yourself grieving? Jesus said, I came to comfort you, to clothe you with a spirit of of praise, right? Not a spirit of despair, right? And so the scripture is very clear in depicting Why Jesus went to the greatest of extremes to provide us salvation and a new life. I want you to notice a couple of things. I want you to notice that the scripture tells us that Jesus brings good news. He brings good news. It tells us that he brought healing to the brokenhearted. It tells us that he's brought freedom for captives. It tells us that he's brought release from darkness. It also tells us that he proclaims Favor, right? That from this point forward, from the establishment of his ministry and the coming of salvation into the life of people, that he proclaims favor, the year of favor. It's not talking about a year, it's talking about an era of favor. Not an error, an era, E-R-A, right? In other words, we live according, we, we live in God's favor, right? The favor of God is not just for you, it is upon you, right? I like the way David puts it in Psalm 23. It says that it chases him down is how it puts it in the Hebrew, right? So the, we, we, he's coming, he's given us favor. And like a strong oak tree whose roots are firmly established, I want you to consider this, that we are growing and maturing as we remain planted in him. Listen closely. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus has done his part. You got to let that sit for a moment. Jesus is not the issue. Favor is not the issue. Or a lack of favor is not the issue. A lack of freedom is not the issue. Right? The fact that you feel stuck is not the issue. The fact that we struggle with physical malady is not the issue. Listen closely. Jesus did his part. It is finished. It's done. Healing is already yours. Righteousness is already yours. Favor is already yours. Peace is already yours. Provision is already yours. But listen closely. The scripture equates our standing in Christ as that of oaks of righteousness. And here's one thing about oaks. Oaks are immovable. It's very hard to move oaks. Now, how many of you want that kind of standing in life? Come on and give God some praise if that's you, right? I'm so glad you, you want that. Because I want to I I share with you how we truly stand in that. See, remember, Jesus did his part. So the issue is if Jesus did his part and we're not experiencing something, whose part is lacking? Because it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's not. Right? The fact that God uses the imagery of a strong oak, a strong oak tree to depict our standing, implies a couple of things. It implies that as oaks, we are growing and we are maturing. Right? Um, And it's very telling as to how that happens because everybody wants to be like an oak but we miss an important reality of oaks oaks grow over a long length of time let me give you an example of how uh, just the growth process for oaks if we could put that that up real quick i'll just move out the way here so you could i want you to i want you to see this Right? I want, you, I want you to notice that one oak germinates. This is an example. In 1788, <laughs> in 1805, that's 12, 17 years later, the tree height uh, starts growing by 30 centimeters per year. 30 centimeters! 30 centimeters! Right? 1835, another 30 years later, the growth rate slows down to 23 centi- centimeters a year, right? Now, I want you to consider, and this isn't all oak trees, but this is, this is some oak trees. I just want you to get a picture of this. You're talking 222 years later, that oak tree... reaches its height. Now, it matures way before that. It reaches the level of maturity. They say oaks do not mature until about they're 75 years old. What I want you to consider is that Jesus says, right, and why do I say Jesus says? Because Jesus was quoting this 800-plus years after this was said. In other words, he was alluding to this. And he is the word of God, right, that was, be, that was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus said this, right? He was, he, he was there in the midst of all this. And what I want us to consider is that this process of growth and maturity takes time. Lots of time. Lots of time. Who's willing to wait 75 years to mature? Hey, Abraham didn't start till he was 75, Moses didn't start till he was 80. I mean, we can go on and on. My point is that there's a reason why the scripture says that we are the planting of the Lord. Get this. Don't miss this. The fact that we are the planting of the Lord stands to reason that because we're his planting, it's also his process. It's also his process. Right? And so we learn something In this regard, we don't go through life, we grow through life. We don't go through life, we grow through life. And I want us to consider that maturity has nothing to do with years for us. Has nothing to do with years. Friends, it has everything to do with yielding to God's process, right? So Jesus has done his part, but our part takes time, specifically what we do in the midst of that time. So look, I'm not here to razzle-dazzle you with the wisdom of men. I want us to simply consider the scriptures because God wants us to mature, friends. God wants us to 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 grow. God wants us to be fruitful, right? Jesus said, hey, you didn't choose me. I, I chose you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Who, me? Yeah, you, me, us. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you. Get this, to bear much fruit. Do you realize that each and every one of us has an appointment with maturity? with fruitfulness, each one of us has an appointment with blessing, each one of us has an appointment with growth on a daily basis, we have the opportunity to get that much further along in the things of God, to experience that much more with God, to be that much more of a light in the world, to be that much more an impact wherever we go, to be a blessing, right? We have a divine, commanded, appointed opportunity every single day, every breath that we have. We were created for fruitfulness. But we have to endeavor to undergo the process of time. Of time. You want to win tomorrow and you want to win today? Just know this, valuable biblical principle. Galatians chapter 6, I believe, tells us this. It says, God cannot be mocked. Listen to this. What a man sows, he shall reap. What a man sows, he shall reap. I'm going to say that again. What you are sowing with your thoughts, what you are sowing with your time, what you are sowing with your decisions, what you are sowing with your leadership, what you are sowing with your marriage, what you are sowing in your home, what you are sowing with your words, what you are sowing with your actions and your habits, what you are sowing in your workplace, what you are sowing with your attitude. What you sow, you will reap Anybody care to come on over here and tell us what you've been sowing? <laughs> hey, listen, there's no condemnation, no con- not, not knocking anyone. But here's the truth about each and every one of us, myself included. We are all susceptible to sow bad seeds. We do it at times. Sometimes unconsciously, sometimes consciously. But know this, whether you do it consciously or unconsciously, spiritual law dictates this. Whatever it is you sow, whether you meant to or or you didn't, you're going to reap it. Therefore, we have to be intentional about what we are doing in this life. Right? Because like I said before, we don't go through life. We grow through life. Right? So I just want to give you three simple things from the Scripture on staying planted, but staying planted for growth. Staying planted, continuing in the process of being the planting of the Lord. Being the planting of the Lord. I got to back up real quick because it's interesting. When it talks about how we are the planting of the Lord and that we shall be called oaks of righteousness, it's very interesting but that word planting there depicts a couple of things. And one of the things that it depicts is being planted in a garden. And this is completely free, but you got to really go and dig in on this on your own. It's very interesting. At the very beginning, when God established all creation, it began in a garden. And he sold man into that garden. He placed man in that garden. And he told them, be fruitful and multiply. It's very interesting that Isaiah 61 uh, prophesied that we would... Be the planting of the Lord. My point with that is this that because Jesus has redeemed us, right? He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's brought us back to a rightful standing with God while we live in a fallen world, while we still have some habits that we hold on to because we're hanging on to old thinking, old beliefs, old ways. The reality is that we have been redeemed and restored. Back to the garden where it was all right with God. Here's the thing. You're planted in the garden, but you can't pull your roots. We can't pull our roots. I'm telling you right now, if you find yourself bouncing from revelation to revelation and the next best thing and the next best preacher and the next best thought and, and, and I'm, I just, I just, I'm just bouncing around but you're never planted, friend, you will never grow. You will never grow. You have to remain. We have to remain planted. That makes sense? So I want to give you three things from one portion of scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast. Say that with me. Be steadfast. Tell somebody, be steadfast. Yes, be steadfast. Right? That's point one. Be steadfast. Point two is, say this with me, be what? Immovable. Got to tell somebody, be immovable." Be Be immovable. Be immovable. That's right. Be immovable. Right? Step three. Always what? Abounding in the work of the Lord. That's step three, right? Go ahead and tell somebody, abound. Listen, watch this. Now, Now listen to what the scripture tells us. This is very important. The scripture says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And because you've been told that, he says, knowing this. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here's what, here's what the scriptures declaring. If you will do this, if you will be steadfast, if you will be immovable, if you will abound in the work of the Lord, you got to know this, that if you do that, what you do will not be in vain. I was talking to one of the brothers this, this evening. He comes in and I said, man, you look good, man. You, you look great he goes thank you man you know he went through a tough time you know had some challenges and you know trying to figure his way out and and but he's he's been consistent man you know he he, he came from a halfway house he's been connecting with us and, and and he's he's been sticking with the word and and you know he's bringing his son when he can and 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 he's just like like sti- sticking with it man and there's been times when he's walked in here and I'm like how you doing he goes man I'm just it's been hard, man. You know, it's just hard, right? But I looked at him today and I said, man, you, you look good, man. Yes. And just a couple of weeks ago, he says, man, you know, I'm working now. And, you know, I'm, 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 things are changing, you know. And, and, and he's bringing his son now. And, and he's, he's just, God is just doing some amazing things. But listen, this didn't happen by osmosis. If you will just do what the word of God says, if you will just remain planted, you will bear much true. I'm proud of you, bro. Keep at it, man. Stay, stay planted. So it's interesting because the, back, the background for this in what the Apostle Paul was saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Corinthians, the Corinthian church, the people in Corinth were growing discouraged. They were growing discouraged and, and, and they were making a lot of mistakes. You read First Corinthians, he is just digging into them on a bunch of different stuff. They were, they were going through it, man. They were, they were messing up. They had doubts about the Christ's resurrection because there were some people that were saying, oh, there's no resurrection of the dead, and so Paul had to address that. There were factions among them. In other words, there were some that were saying, you know what, I follow after Peter. I follow Peter's teaching, and I follow Paul's teaching, and I follow Apollo's teaching. And here's what what, what the Apostle Paul says, is Christ divided? Christ divided, he says. Who's Peter? Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? He says, I planted Apollos' water. God gives the increase, right? So, so you know, there were factions. That These people were wrestling with the pull of culture. You see, for them, honor was a thing that you took. Servanthood and love was foreign to them. This just did not make sense to them. So they were struggling with that, right? They misunderstood love. They they misunderstood servanthood. To them, that was a a low thing. You, You didn't do that. And then there were issues of sinfulness. I mean, there was just a lot of stuff going on among them. And they were growing weak. And the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, after telling them a bunch of things, right, and then even correcting them on communion, just a whole bunch of stuff, He says to them, beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abound, stick with the work of the Lord, right? These instructions are instructions that apply to us because the principle behind them is planting. And if you're going to be the planting of the Lord, you're going to win each day, if you're going to endure over time, These three three steps are necessary. The first step, as we read, is be steadfast. Be steadfast. That term be steadfast there refers to settling in where you are. In other words, I'm here, and I'm sticking with this for the long haul. I'm settled. I have made up my mind. This is it. This is it. This is what I'm doing. This is what my life is about. These are where my decisions revolve around. This is, this is what I'm committed to. This is for life. This is, this is this, uh, unless the Lord shows me different, this is where I'm staying. Be very careful, by the way, that you, if you feel like the Lord told you something and then two weeks later he changes his mind and then another month later he changes his mind again, And all of a sudden he changed his mind again. Chances are that he's not changing his mind. You're just changing your mind based on the circumstances. So we got to be careful with that, right? We got to be careful with that. But it talks about settling where you are. And I want to share something very practical with you from Genesis 8.22 that is powerful. It says, as long as the earth endures... In other words, as long as they're earth, there is an earth is what it's saying. As long as we have planet earth and we have life on this earth, it says, seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Let's leave that out for a moment. I want you to consider that here's what God is saying. These processes will always remain so long as there's an earth. So long as you have life on this earth, you will have to endure these processes. Did anybody wake up and it was morning? You get my point, right? Well, what did it look like when you came here, right? It was dark, right? Right? Night and day, right? Anybody wake up today and it was cold, right? How about six months ago? It was warm, right? Right? So cold and heat. Summer and winter. They're going to come. But notice what else the Lord says. Seed time and harvest. So get this. There is always a harvest on the way. But it's as a result of a process called seed time. Seed time. You know, when I was young... I, I really didn't, I didn't understand this stuff. And for those of you that, you know, younger, you know, maybe in your teenage years, maybe in your young adulthood years, we don't really think much, and I say we because, yes, I'm still young. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. That's my story? Hey, I'm steadfast in this. <laughs> but, but let me tell you something about us young adults, right? Us teenagers, we don't think about harvest. Matter of fact, you know what? No. Adults. <laughs> no matter what age or st- we, oftentimes, sometimes we just don't think about harvest. We don't think about what we're doing today and what it means for tomorrow. We don't. And here's what God is saying, whether you're thinking about it or not, Seed time is happening. Seed time is happening. And I want you to notice the bridge between harvest and seed. It's time. Let me ask you a question. Be honest with yourself. What does the way you live your life right now, Honestly, I'm talking about behind closed doors, right? I'm talking about like if I could plug an HDMI into your brain and we could project it onto the screen, right? I'm talking about if we could put an aux cable into your head somehow and hear your thoughts, right? What would that reveal about the harvest that's coming? What would would our responses... Not when we're in church, right? Because in church, it's like, how you doing? Oh, praise the Lord, I'm doing great. Hallelujah, blessed and highly favored. And that's true. That's true. That is true. You are that. But you can't override what you're doing in seed time. So how do you respond when you're not in church? How do you talk to your husband when nobody else is around? How do you talk to your wife? How do you treat your children? What do you think about your boss? How do you appreciate the opportunities you have? Right? Do you complain and remain or do you praise and walk in power? Right? So we got to really think about that, right? Because seed time is important. It's very important. Many people desire gross benefits. They desire the harvest, but few do what is necessary for growth's benefits. It's sticking through it in the process of time and doing it the right way. Right? So time is a bridge between your seeds and your harvest. Time is a bridge. Right? And what you do with your time today is bridging the way for the harvest that awaits you tomorrow. This isn't heavy-revy, but I'm going to tell you something. Something. Be very careful. We must be very careful that we do not overlook this. Life doesn't happen, ladies and gentlemen. Life doesn't just happen. Life is a result. Whatever your experience is in life, life is a result of the seeds you've sown. Therefore, we have to be very Intentional. We have to be very intentional. We need to know what's important in this season of seed time, of sowing. And one of the, one of, one of the uh, scriptural principles that we have here is in Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 7, it says, do not be deceived. We were just looking, at, I was just referring to this. God cannot be mocked. Let me translate that for you. You can't get over on God as it pertains to this principle. You, you can't get around this. We can't get around this. There is no way around it. You can't pray your way into a harvest if you haven't been sowing the seeds. Can't pray your way into a harvest if you haven't been sowing the seeds. You can't praise your way into a harvest if you're not sowing the seeds. You can't read the Bible enough into a harvest if we're not sowing the seeds. Just can't. Can't do it. It's impossible. Right? So he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will reap destruction. Destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's leave that verse up for a moment. I'll tell you when I bring it down. I want you to consider something. The Bible says that we have been born of incorruptible seed. In other words, the seed in you and I is now incorruptible. It can't be penetrated. What God has done on the inside cannot be penetrated. The seed is pure. The seed is good. The seed will produce blessing. The seed is righteousness. The seed is healing. The seed seed has everything. But the thing about it is that the seed has to be sown. And I want you to consider this, that according to what we're reading here, our, our lives are seeds. Your life and my life is a seed and how we sow that seed determines what we'll reap. And according to the scripture, if you sow to the flesh, if you sow to desires that that have nothing to do with what is right, what is good, what is biblical, what is godly, if you sow for you if you sow for your own purposes if you sow for your own desires if you sow for what you want if you sow in deception listen sometimes we could be sowing what appears to be good seed but it's with the wrong heart that's bad seed you could be coming to church and it appears like you're sowing yourself into good seed but you still there's still bad seed because the heart is wrong the heart is wrong Where there's double-mindedness, it's bad seed. And what the scripture says is that when we sow to this flesh, when we sow for self, it leads to destruction. You know why? Because that seed can't produce. There's no fruit. Where there's no harvest, it's destruction for a farmer. So listen, it's not that God destroys you. It's just that you don't sow any seed, so you have no harvest. It leads to destruction. You're sowing it wrong. There's another side to that. Sometimes we sow incorrectly, we sow with the wrong heart, we sow for self, and you know what? You get what you sow. You sow bad seed, you sow yourself into bad things, don't cry when he breaks your heart. Don't cry. When your finances are in in disorder, don't cry when people are betraying you and people are talking bad about you. Don't cry when things are going bad because you sowed bad seed. You can't sow apples and expect oranges. You can't sow yourself to your selfish desires and expect a good harvest. Right? Right? The flip side is that if we sow to the Spirit is what the Scripture says. We will reap everlasting life. Now, some people think, oh, that's talking about eternity. That's talking about heaven. That is not what it's talking about. That is talking about Zoe. It's talking about the God kind of life. And, it's ta- and that word Zoe there in the Greek speaks of a life that is um, equal to the life of Jesus. In that it's the fullness of life. It fully animates your life. A good example of this is where the scripture says, But you were once dead, and you he made alive. In other words, you're no longer where you were. You are now living in the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus. You have the same blessing. You have the same relationship with God because you are the righteousness of God, right? Healing is yours. Peace is yours. So that's Zoe. And what the scripture is saying here is this, that when you sow to the things of the Spirit of God, that which is good, that which is godly, that that which is true, right? That which brings honor to God, right? No matter if You don't like the way it feels because of the choice you're making or people don't agree. When you sow yourself to the spirit, the scripture says you get a life that starts from here and lasts into eternity. That's longevity. You know what that is? That's an oak of righteousness. It's for the long haul. Right? So... Friends, here's the truth. If we're going to settle where we are, we have to settle in the right place. We can't settle for self. Can't settle for self. We got to settle in to that which is of the spirit. That which is good. You know why? Because that will bring a harvest that's everlasting. The next point I want to leave you here with, real quickly, is. Be immovable. This refers to being firmly persistent. It's the example. It's an example of a persistent life. Like I'm not giving up. There's no quit in me. I don't have time because I, I'm just realizing the time now, so I won't read it. But Luke chapter 11, check it out in your own time, is a parable where Jesus depicts a person who goes knocking at his friend's door, at his neighbor's door. And he knocks and he says, hey, uh, could you give me some some fish and some bread? Could you, could you provide me some bread? Because I have a, a family member that came and I have nothing to give him. And this person stays in bed. He says, leave me alone. I've already closed the doors. My kids are sleeping. I'm not coming out. And the scripture in this parable says that he keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. The door's already locked. But he keeps knocking and knocking and it says that the His neighbor does not give, does not meet his need, because he considers him a friend, or because he's asking. He 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 meets his need because he's. Let me let me put it in the, the way the NIV puts it. It says because of your shameless audacity. Shameless audacity. He gets up, and he gives him as much as he needs. The point being is simply this. And then Jesus says this statement, which is familiar to some of us. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. What's my point with that? If you're going to stay planted, it takes persistence that is w- unwilling to stop asking, seeking, and knocking from God. The reason why this friend kept asking, seeking, and knocking is because he had no shame in his pursuit. There was nothing in him that said, oh, I may offend him if I keep asking. Now let me tell you how that relates to being persistent and staying planted. Who told you you can't go to God? Who told you that because you made a mistake that you're not good enough for God? Who told you that because you did something very sinful that somehow you're disqualified from receiving from the hand of God? Who told you that you are not, that you are still, that that you have stopped being the righteousness of God? Who told you that God is disappointed in you? The Scripture says that we are hidden in Christ. Brother Eric, could you come on up here for a minute? Real quick, real quick. Come here, Luke. Come here, come, come, come here, real quick. Eric is a big dude. I feel safe every time he's around, right? This is his son who will one day be bigger than him, right? But I want you to see what the Scripture says. It says you are hidden in Christ, so when God looks upon you, He lo- He sees Jesus. Thank you. He doesn't see this guy right here who feels so bad and so little and so low because he made a mistake. Are you getting the picture? Thank you, guys. I want you to consider this: that where there is no shame, there's always an approach to God. That's how you remain planted. Right? Listen, the greatest oak grew to be great because it was once a little nut who held its ground. The longest river starts off as a trickle but cuts through massive rocks, not because of its power but because of its consistent persistence. It keeps flowing. Diamonds grow in clarity and beauty as they withstand thousands of years under the weight of rocks and dirt. What's my point with this, friends? You must make the choice I'm not moving from here. I love that song. And we sang it with so much feeling today. You said it. I believe it. Right? <laughs> Question. Do you believe it because he said it? Then why why move? got to be immovable, right? Stick with it. Stick with it. And I get it. Sometimes we go through some difficult times. Sometimes we're lacking in certain areas. Sometimes we have weaknesses. Let me just quote Martin Luther King Jr. because he said it best. If you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. You have to be persistent. I am walking with Christ Come hell, come high water. Friend, you may be going through hell, but here's the thing. Keep going. Keep going. You may be going through hell, but keep going. Don't stay there. The last point I want to leave you with here because I don't have much time is that the best time to plant a tree, I'm sorry, no, that's not the last point. My last point is always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And here's here's what that's referring to. That's step three for us in terms of staying planted. It refers to exceeding your current measure. Exceeding your current measure. In other words, staying planted in what God is doing and teaching us does not mean that we should stay stagnant in what he's doing and he is teaching us. I love the words of the Apostle Paul. He says... Desire the gifts. He talks about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about all these giftings in the body. He says desire them all. Desire to prophesy. Desire to speak in tongues. Desire to operate in healing. Desire these things, right? And so we should be aspiring Beyond where we currently are in our understanding. Friends, here's the thing. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13 that now we know in part. In other words, we will never fully know in this life. What's the point with that? There's more to know. And where there's more to know, there's more to grow. So stick with the process, right? We should aspire to exceed where we are in faith in our personal journey with Jesus. Philippians 3, 12 and 15, and I close with this, says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, I haven't arrived. Mind you, this guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy went where nobody else was willing to go with the gospel. This guy endured great sacrifice, made great sacrifices, faced death often, suffered much loss, went through much hardship, and yet this man accomplished great things for the kingdom of God. And he says, I'm just getting started. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 goes on to say, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Let me stop right there. Leave that portion of scripture up. I want you to see this. That abounding in the work of the Lord, right? Abounding in the work of the Lord is a willingness and a desire to exceed beyond where I'm at. And here's what the Apostle Paul says about that. He says, for those of you who are mature, you should take such a view of these things. What is he saying? What he's saying is this, that the mature child of God. The one in the process of maturity is the one who wants to grow more. If we're comfortable in what God is doing, and we're stagnant in what God is, and how God is operating, if all we're just doing is just cruising along, and we're not pressing to grow, guess what we're not doing? We're not maturing. We're not staying planted. Why do I say we're not staying planted? Because you can't grow where you're not planted. You can't mature if you're not planted in this reality. I'm going to continue to abound. I heard it said that the best time to plant an oak tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. It's now. Friends, now is the time to make a firm decision. i staying planted.